0: You are listening to Ship It, a podcast about operations, infrastructure and new beginnings. I'm your host Gerhard Lazio and this is our fourth Kaizen with Adam and Jared. We finally did it. All our static files are served from AWS S3. This is the most significant improvement to our app's architecture in years. And now we have unlocked the next level, multi-cloud. We talk about that at length and how it fits in our 2022 setup. The TLDR is that changelog.com will fly, both literally and figuratively. We also addressed Steve's comment that he left in our previous Kaizen episode. Thanks, Steve. In the second half, we talk about my new beginnings at Dagger, where I get to work with a world-class team and build the next-gen CI/CD. That's right. I'm now walking the talk all day, every day. If you want to watch us code live, you can do so every Wednesday in our weekly community session. Big thanks to our partners Fastly, LaunchDarkly, and Linode. Thank you for the great bandwidth Fastly. You can learn more at Fastly.com, ship new features with confidence by getting your feature flags powered by LaunchDarkly.com, and thank you Linode for keeping our Kubernetes fast and simple. Run your setup as we do via Linode.com forward slash changelog.
1: What's up, shippers? Adam here, and I want to tell you about one of our new partners for 2022, MongoDB, the makers of MongoDB Atlas, the multi-cloud application data platform. MongoDB Atlas provides an integrated suite of data services centered around a cloud database designed to accelerate and simplify how you build with data ditch the columns the rows once and for all and switch to the database loved by millions of developers for its intuitive document data model and query api that maps to how you think and code when you're ready to launch atlas automatically layers on production grade resilience performance and security features so you can confidently scale your app from sandbox to customer facing application as a truly multi-cloud database atlas enables you to deploy your data across multiple regions on aws azure and google cloud simultaneously you heard that right you can distribute your data across multiple cloud providers at the same time with a click of a button all you got to do is try atlas today for free they have a free forever tier so you can prove yourself and your team the platform has everything you need head to mongodb.com atlas again mongodb.com atlas
2: We
0: are going to ship three, two, one. It's finally happened. After months and months. Actually, no. After years of talking about it. Years, nice. Oh, no. and months of months working and on years it, and months. Yeah, we have finally switched all our assets to S3. AWS S three. And the hero behind that effort is Jared. Welcome, Jared. Well. Are you
2: still a hero if you've been talking about it for years? And you finally do the thing. That's
1: how hard it was. It was so hard. Why years? Why months? Why I mean, I think you said this in the last Kaisen Jared. Like, doesn't it just make sense to put your assets on S3? Why as a developer, do you sort of, are you apprehensive to do that early or I guess this many years late?
2: So the original decision was due to a couple of things. The main thing of which was my inexperience with Elixir as a programming language and my desire to keep it simple. And the post-processing upon upload of our MP3 files which are quite large, versus like an avatar, which is Mm -hmm. not a big deal, was, with my skill set at the time, problematic in a remote sense. So I was like, hey, keep it simple. We have this huge disk, you know, old school. Upload it to the disk that's sitting right there and keep it all local. Keep it all compact. It's the easy button and that's going to get us to production faster. And so, you know, maybe this is a technical debt that we just took on knowingly, knowing that, I mean, I had built web apps where I would upload to S3 prior to this one. So it wasn't like it was an unknown thing at the time. It was a decision to be made. And I made that decision and didn't cause any problems for many years. And then it started to. And Mm -hmm. so it's like, you know, just in time or maybe a little bit late, but, you know, priorities at a certain point, it just became a, not a priority until it became a priority. And I think our Our work with Gerhard and on the platform changes started to like percolate like, yeah, this is a problem. Here's why. And it becomes more and more a problem. And finally, you're like, okay, this thing is now it's time. And that was probably a year ago. And so now maybe we're a year late, but it hasn't really slowed us down all that much. But we're definitely ready to fly now.
1: The reason why I point that out is because. When people think about our platform and the things we do, and it's it's contextual, I can even recall the conversation you and I had with Nora Jones, Jelly founder, it's all about context, you know, in yeah. terms of like an incident even, or in this case, like a decision, which isn't necessarily an incident, but it's like the context. So the context is, you know, you've been a developer for many years, you are familiar with even using S3, but you weren't actively on the daily eight hours a day, six hours a day, or whatever your your programming time would be, wasn't daily just on the platform. You had multiple roles to play. So you had to have trade-offs, you had to have, as you said, just in time decisions. So you you punted this decision until sure, you know, basically the year 2022, which is And totally it's worth
2: cool. noting that when we built this platform in twenty fourteen and fifteen, or was it fifteen and sixteen? I don't know. It was twenty fifteen for sure. Yeah. Fifteen yeah. and sixteen. I was full time contractor building web apps for a living. This was very much, we, I mean, Adam, you weren't full-time yet, or you were like coming up full-time. 2015,
1: I went full-time. February Yeah. So we
2: were just getting Adam full-time and I was doing this, you know, as a weekend warrior and I wanted to learn Elixir. I got excited about it. We've told this story before. You can go listen to, I think Beam Radio was the most recent time that I told this story, which is a cool Elixir podcast. Y'all should listen to if you like Elixir. Hey, Lars. Hello, Lars. And I wanted to learn Elixir as I built it. So I was very much learning as I went. And this was one of the parts where I was like, ah, I just don't, I don't know if I can get this done all at once. But if I keep it local, I know how to do that. And so that's what I did. Mm-hmm. So there was, it was context, but also it was just like, you have to pick, it's kind of like the innovation tokens concept. Of, I already spent a big one on Elixir and on Phoenix. And it's like, do I also want to involve S3 uploads in this process, and I just didn't want to at the mm. time. So that's the why. The why is so long, I get again was priorities, I think. And because I don't have, you know, I'm not a full time engineer on our platform, I work on it when other things aren't going on. And so I can prioritize according to our immediate needs. And so it's kind of a squeaky wheel situation. But Gerhard, it's been squeaking for a little while. So <laughs> finally, and mostly it's limiting us in a couple of ways. Gerhard, why don't you tell the folks what? having those files local, what what were
0: the implications of that? Yeah, before I say that, I want to mention that this is reality. This is what it looks like, okay? It's great ideas that take a really long time to get to the point where they finally happen. And it takes trade-offs, it takes a lot of dead-ends, because I remember us trying this in the past and discovering things which you weren't expecting, which made this change difficult. And there's always something more important to the point that... A day comes and you say, you know what, it's been two years, I'm going to do it. And two weeks later, you've upgraded all the dependencies and you still haven't done it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is the yak shave. The yak shave from last time. Exactly, episode 30. So that happened. And then 10 episodes later, we did it. And part of this was also, how do you test this without breaking production? Because by the way, we did a live migration without anyone noticing any downtime or yeah. maybe some 404s, right? There was like a couple of minutes of 404s for some MP3 files. right? And we did it like, I think like in an hour, maybe two hours, like the actual migration.
2: It was super smooth. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. How do you do this feature? How do you plan it out? How do you roll it out when you try to fit it around so many things in a non-disruptive, easy way that you can back out of if things don't work out? And we have to like to, to coordinate you and me. Mm. And there's like all these other things happening. So again, I'm the weekend warrior when it comes to change log and you know right. night warrior. And how do you make it work? So it's the reality, it took us a long time, but I'm so glad that we got it done. Why am I so glad? This opens up the possibility of having more than one application instance. We could only ever run a single change log because we needed to have a disk mounted that we could read and write from. Right. For those that are using Kubernetes, you know there's very few storage drivers, CSIs, that actually support that. And the ones that do, there's all sorts of like weird edge cases with them. Deadlocks, slowdowns, latency, you know, issues. Stuff. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely complex because it's a complex problem. And we love doing simple things. As you know, right, listening to us and knowing all our story and on the journey. So not only we can run more than a single instance of changelog, we can finally go multi-platform. Mm. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. So
1: new beginnings, right? Of course, lots of stuff in there. More context too, To you did touch on one of them. Jared, you're in central time zone. Gerhard, you're in GMT, is that right?
0: Yeah, UTC right now, yeah. UTC, UTC
1: right now. So even different spectrums of time, so coordinating, and they're both not full-time engineers. So I think this just speaks to more of like our desire to learn, but then our desire to keep things simple and Mm. that it doesn't require necessarily full timers all the time. And maybe that's why it takes a little bit more extra time because you both aren't full time on the platform itself.
2: Yeah. So we rolled it out. What? Let's just call it end of January. And I had it done. Now I'm going to roast Gerhard here. I had it done mid-December maybe or earlier. And I was like, hey. You know, the code is done. Now, was it the code done, done? No, it was like the done where you think it's done. It had like 5% needs left, but those needs I wasn't going to know until we until you and I started going. So the rest of it was actually sitting behind Mary Shipmas and the the stuff you were working on for that episode, as well as the synchronization that Adam refers to. So there were other things in the way. The coding was actually rather trivial. There was one aspect that's interesting I was hung up on, and I'll, maybe I'll just tell that story real briefly. So the part that I was hung up on was that when we upload an MP3 file into our system, we run some transformations on it. We're basically doing the ID3 tagging. We're making sure that the episode artwork is attached. All those things that you're going to do that you want that MP3 to be ready to be shipped. And that's done via shelling out to FFmpeg. The reason we shell out to FFmpeg, I actually have told this before, so I'll keep it brief, is because there's no there's no ID3 v2 library in Elixir and to this day that's outside of my wheelhouse I think I could probably sit down and give myself like 40 hours to work on it and get something going but I'm just never going to have that much time and so we use FFmpeg, it works great it's one of my favorite tools and it works on a local file path, right? And so that's kind of where the decision was like, well I'm going to use FFmpeg I'm going to use local files and I'm going to attach and run that inside of this library that was called Arc We've since switched to Waffle, which is a fork and an extension. It's a community takeover of a project that was no longer maintained. And so we switched to Waffle as a part of this. Shout out to the Waffle devs for keeping it going. That's totally awesome. And it has in it a transform step. So if you think of the upload, like you're inside the library, define your upload file. And you give it as properties. Where am I going to store this? Okay, we got to switch all those to S3 versus local paths. Make sure all the paths still work. And then this transform step is where you basically shell out to FFmpeg. When we switch to the S3 way of doing it, that transform step no longer has the data that it needs because we reread the file off disk to get the new duration of the episode as well as, I think, the final bytes mm-hmm. that it is after you've done all the, your dirty work. And I just couldn't get it plugged into this transform step, you know, and I'm trying everything. And finally it dawned on me. Did
0: you stop and start it again? <laughs> oh, of course.
2: <laughs> Many times. All, every, every single thing that you could do as a developer, I tried as, as well as just Googling, you know, around. I think I was helped a little bit with the Elixir forum where somebody was talking about them also not being able to do this. Sometimes you're wondering, If you're holding it wrong, like we talked Mm -hmm. about last time. Oh, yes. (laughs) And having a confirmation of like, yeah, actually it doesn't work because the you can't get the data you need at this stage in the pipeline. I finally threw up my hands and realized, you know, I don't have to use the library for that step. Sometimes we just get stuck in this what they call local maxima, you know, like you're right in this little area and you don't think outside of that box and realize Mm -hmm. I don't have to use the library for all of it. I can actually just transform it with my own code at a different time and just skip the transform step altogether. And once I had that thought, everything else was just easy peasy.
0: Yeah, well, that's cool. I remember that. I remember you showing me like, do you see this? That's all it took. It was like one line. <laughs> yeah,
2: and I'm literally, well, you said you deleted a bunch of code. I'm like, no, I just yeah. moved it all over here and I call it right there. Like I have my own module now versus it being inside of the the waffle library, you know, kind of instantiation. And so it was really just moving the code around was all it took and then it just worked. I was like, all right, sweet. Everything else was just work. But like, that was like the, can I actually get this done question answered from there on out? It's just like, okay, now I got to go do all the other things, Mm -hmm. which are straightforward tasks. So it wasn't that bad. It was just that one little thing that had me stuck. And once I figured that out, it was uh, just wait on Gerhard to get ready. So.
1: Where were you at when you had that realization? Were you running, walking, driving, showering? I think I was actually standing
2: right here where I'm standing right now at my computer. I think I real, I was reading that Elixir forum post and I realized this guy has the exact same situation that I'm in and he can't get it working. And he might've even said something like, I'm just not gonna use it or I'm, I'm gonna try something else. And I was like, I should try something else. And I was like, wait, I can just <laughs> try something else. I can just write it myself and just use my own module. So I was standing right here, just staring at the screen.
0: Did you update that forum post? Or the forum thread with your... I am not a good citizen of the web. I don't think I did. Okay. Action item. After this, totally. Kaizen. Yeah. I have to go back and find that. Yeah. So we can link it as well. And we can show our listeners that you actually did it. <laughs> we can link this <laughs> up <out laughs> to oh, your okay, reply.
2: <laughs> okay. This is kind of like on JS Party, we do a New Year's resolutions episode. Mm. And at the, the next year, I go back and listen to it. And I hold everybody's feet to the fire. And oh, say, did boy. you actually?
0: There and we go. All fail. You know how it works. Yep. The request 400 in our GitHub repository has the entire story. You can see Jared's struggles and you can see the new Kubernetes configuration, everything that I had to do to get this running. So the reason why Mary Shipmas was important is that one of the things, one of the gifts was using Crossplane to provision a new Linux Kubernetes engine cluster using Crossplane. And we had to build like a new provider for it with TerraJet, You can listen to episode 33 if you're curious about the specifics. But that was, I think, pull request. I have to look it up. I'm going to look it up really quick. 397, I want to say, 399. So one before. Ah, there (laughs) you go. Pull request 399 has how we configured the old Restoring Kubernetes cluster clusters with Crossplane. And we joke about Jared deleting a Kubernetes cluster and wanting us to have an anti-Jared mechanism. You know, like you have an antivirus? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Jared would never do that. It's just me that that deletes things, for sure. Uh, remember Kaizen 20, like I DNS. think, or Kaizen 30, when I admitted to deleting the DNS token. That's it right. was me. It's yes, always me. Yes, you do like deleting things. <laughs> yeah, seeing what happens. Anyways, uh, 399 had to happen first. We wanted to provision a Kubernetes cluster with uh, Crossplane, plane. we did that. That is actually our next year's, actually this year's, 2022 cluster which is what we tested to see how this would work before taking it into production so we are still running on the 2021 lke cluster we're in the process of migrating to 2022 and we want to test this new integration out with s3 in something which looks like production and is as close to production as possible but it's not our actual production so if there's any mistakes we can go back it's a nice safe low risk low stress way of trying things out and seeing if they work. And in our case it did.
1: This episode is brought to you by our friends at FireHydrant. FireHydrant is the reliability platform for every developer. Incidents impact everyone, not just SREs. FireHydrant gives teams the tools to maintain service catalogs, respond to incidents, communicate through status pages, and learn with retrospectives. What would normally be manual, error-prone tasks across the entire spectrum of responding to an incident, this can all be automated in every way with FireHydrant. Fire Hydrant gives you incident tooling to manage incidents of any type with any severity with consistency. You can declare and mitigate incidents all inside Slack. Service catalogs allow service owners to improve operational maturity and document all your deploys in your service catalog. Incident Analytics like extract meaningful insights about your reliability over any facet of your incident or the people who respond to them. And at the heart of it all, Incident Runbooks, they let you create custom automation rules to convert manual tasks into automated, reliable, repeatable sequences that run when you want. Create Slack channels, Jira tickets, Zoom bridges instantly after declaring an incident. Now your processes can be consistent and automatic. Try FireHydrant free for 14 days. Get access to every feature, no credit card required. Get started at firehydrant.io. Again, firehydrant.io.
0: So January 25th, 26th is when we switched the assets served directly from S3, from AWS S3 on, and since a couple of interesting things happened. First of all, our favicons, favicon.ico, ICO, however you want to pronounce it, we have seen elevated 404 responses for those. But I think you were saying, Jared, that's like the default behavior for some browsers, and even though we tell where to find the icon, it they don't f- look for it there. Is that right?
2: yes so in our the head of our responses not the headers but the actual head section of your html we specify where that shortcut icon is Mm -hmm. and as part of this process all of our uploads and our static files are coming from the same cdn now whereas they previously weren't and so we moved all of our static files to slash static slash so the default behavior of browsers is to look at slash favicon Ico, Mm -hmm. and some browsers will do that no matter what. Now I'm guessing a lot of those are command line robotic kind of things. Mm -hmm. You can also specify where it lives, which is what we're doing in our HTML. So browsers who obey those rules are still loading it, but we're having increased 404s. We can definitely throw a redirect or something in there that just makes them go to the right place, but not something that we're super worried about at this point.
0: Yeah, that's right. So even though The 404s are elevated. It shouldn't affect anyone. We had like 10,000 in the last 24 hours just for that file alone. Wow. That's quite a bit. But they, they all come from Fastly directly, so they don't hit the app. Fastly can't find that file in our AWS S3 bucket, and everything is fine. The other interesting thing is that our misses for MP3 files have increased. And I think you had a good theory about this, Jared
2: yes so i believe that is because we do not have fastly set up to do origin shielding which we had previously and we have on the changelog.com domain and so what that does is you select one of their pops usually one that's close to wherever your origin is now our origins s3 so it's going to be like east us east or something US East, yeah so yeah you would pick like laguardia or something like that as your shielding point of presence inside of Fastly and it acts as basically a proxy for the other ones. So instead of always going to S3 for misses, it will go to LaGuardia and LaGuardia will go to S3. And as long as LaGuardia has it, then all of Fastly's other points of presence are going to ask it first. And that will definitely decrease your misses, assuming that we understand what a miss means and uh, coming out of Fastly. I think we do, but you yeah. know, we could be wrong. Yeah. Um, so getting that fixed, I believe, would resolve that. We also... Haven't looked into increased S3 Mm. charges, but they definitely could be going up because all those misses are still costing money. So we'll have to look into that. If it's moving the needle, we definitely need to fix it. If it's not moving the needle at all, it's kind of like, well, it's more Amazon's problem than ours.
0: Yeah, this is what always happens. You improve one thing and then you're already thinking about the next improvement. At least that's how my brain works. So in this existing situation, what I'm wondering is, why do we have to worry about AWS S3 and our CDN? Why isn't that like the same thing? And I suppose if we were using CloudFront for our CDN, this would be less of an issue, I think. But what I'm really curious about is, sure, how does this behave? But I think we talked about this in Kaizen 30. What if we used another CDN besides Fastly? which integrates with this and you know where I'm going with this I'm thinking Cloudflare I'm thinking Cloudflare R2 uh-huh. like could we try that out and see if that is simpler in terms of configuration in terms of setup I don't think we'll have the same amount of stats and logs that we had from that we currently have from Fastly so that obviously will likely be an issue but I'm wondering if that would be a simpler setup from performance from customer satisfaction. I mean, mm-hmm. right now what I'm seeing is, I was looking at the 99th percentile, and I've seen that our 99th percentile today was, for example, 657 seconds. So some requests would be great to dig into those to see which were those requests. Are taking 657 seconds to serve? That's like 10 minutes. <laughs> Who's mm-hmm. waiting 10? I think that must be one of those Apple watches again waiting for an mp3 file to stream so they can listen to it must be right Maybe. over 4g so it's, it's it's a great one to dig into but i'm seeing these spikes which they didn't happen before we switch or at least they weren't as severe before we switched to s3 and um, honeycomb makes it so simple to see how our 99th percentile increased significantly since this switch so for example we had January 24th we were around looking at the last 28 days the granularity is two hours our 99th percentile would be around 500 milliseconds those were the peaks now the peaks are 12 milliseconds our 99th percentile is actually worse since we went to S3 for the static assets it would be great to dig into it, why that happened, because we thought Roll this it would be improved. Roll it all back. <laughs> Roll it back. <laughs> I think that's what we need to do, Jared. <laughs> Two years thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you have to go back. <laughs> Not a laugh fest. But no, seriously, this opens up the possibility to us running more origins and just digging more into why this is happening and what needs to improve. Because I still think we're using parts of this wrong. And we had a great comment from Steve Schwartz for a Kaizen 30. He was offering an alternative analysis of our CDN in- issue. And he was talking about the 18 megabyte GIFs or GIFs, which is crazy big. I agree. So smaller image file sizes, that's what he was recommending to reduce the impact on non-first world visitors. That makes sense. So making those images smaller mm-hmm. so that even if, you know, wherever they're from, the latency is not as high and the, yeah, serving all that content is not as high. But for MP3s, I don't think there's much we can do about that.
2: So it's worth stating that any 18 megabyte GIF file that we serve was not one that we created. So we cover news and we link to repos and demos and things like this. And so we will pull into those news items, images, GIFs, YouTube videos, etc. And so this was somebody else's GIF that we are now, we're not hot linking it. We go ahead and upload it to our own system and rehost it. Yep. But we don't do any minification or what's it called? Compression on GIFs. They, they don't compress well anyway. It's a terrible format in terms mm-hmm. of that. But that's the kind of thing that you will find on like an individual news item page. And it will also scroll the homepage until it scrolls off the top of the homepage. But those aren't kind of th- things that our developers are creating and putting into the app, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like those things are minified, or I keep using JS and CSS terms, they're compressed, they're image-optimized things. So these are kind of like third-party relics that we're hosting. Mm -hmm. And um, I think compressing those might be an exercise in turmoil. Maybe I'm wrong. I just know that GIFs have historically never compressed well. And so you might not be able to. So the answer then is like, now you're making content decisions, basically. Like, hey, stop putting... Awesome gifts. And because somebody might have a cool demo of their open source project and have a 30 second gift that's like worth a thousand words or more, but is it worth 18 megabytes? Now, now it's a content decision. So it's an
0: interesting yeah. trade off. Yeah, for sure. I have a couple more answers. Thank you, Honeycomb, for making it this easy. Not sponsored, huh? <laughs> at least not, not this portion. So I was slicing a diceig as Jared was, was giving us that, that, that amazing answer that 99th percentile, why is it so high? And apparently before, our audio MPEG files, which had that content type, were taking the 99th percentile was actually 20 minutes. And 20 minutes. Human-readable formats, honeycomb, please. (laughs) Yes, please. There is actually a way I just have to set up the derived columns. I haven't... uh, Liz was showing me how to do that. Thank you, Liz, that was great. Holding it wrong again. Yeah, so 20 minutes was a 99th percentile for our audio files before. Now, since we went to S3 is just 12 minutes. So it is an improvement. They are taking less to serve. What I was curious about was how long does it take to serve the other content? Because we have offloaded all those MP3s and all the static files off the server, how fast is the origin now? So that's what I would like to ask it next. How about we do that?
1: What Gerhard is doing behind the scenes is he is deep into various dashboards where you can just sort of like ask Honeycomb, pretty much anything about your system in production right now. And what he's doing is he's digging into essentially times between different content types and how it was delivered back essentially the time and seeing what that difference is so that we can say, okay, well, this content was serving this amount of time or this content was in that amount of time and sort of understand your system better so that you can see, okay, well, this is how it performs under this kind of load or that kind of load and then be able to fine tune your system to perform accordingly as you'd like. And so this beautiful magic box called Honeycomb allows you to ask these panes of glass this question and essentially just go finite, super finite into these details. And maybe I've given Gerhardt enough time to get his answer back.
0: Yeah, I do have it. So it's improved marginally. The XML ones are those feeds, which I'm looking for, but not enough to show a huge alleviation like in the pressure. So it's almost the same. And that shows that the time is not network related it's whatever needs to happen inside the system. Mm-hmm. So what I'm thinking is maybe PostgreSQL. Maybe when we go to different PostgreSQL, maybe when we have reads a bit more optimized, and those are metrics which we are still missing, just understand how can we improve our, our PostgreSQL query so that when we build those feeds, they don't take as long as they take currently. So right now, the 99th percentile for our feeds are 1.2 seconds, not bad right, because our feeds are fairly chunky. Mm My thing was like a couple of megabytes. I forget exactly how much. And they, they hit the database fairly hard. Even when it's cached, even when everything is buffered, it takes a while to transfer all the data, all those megabytes between things. So moving the static assets off the server hasn't improved this, which is what I was hoping I would see, but that hasn't happened. So I'm wondering, is there another content type that has improved? And I'm just going to go through the entire list now. No, not images, text, <laughs> HTML. I think this is the same. Let's see. Show sure we'll only events in this group. Has HTML improved? Not really. Actually, it's gotten worse, which is interesting because we don't store any HTML pages on S3, do we, Jared? No. I don't think we do. All that is coming. So that is actually worse. The 99th percentile is a lot more spikier now. So that's an interesting one. I don't think we're holding it wrong. I think we have like more questions to dig into. And I think that's a good one to look into next
1: speaking of something to look into next i do want to plug a recent episode of founders talk because we're talking about honeycomb and i, I truly believe this gives us superpowers and that's exactly what i talked to christine christine in about and uh the title of that show is bringing observability superpowers to all because that's their mission and if you're a fan if you're not a fan you should listen to this show and christine went uh deep on the subject of all things observability founding Honeycomb alongside charity, the bees that make up the team, and a bunch of other fun things. So we're definitely loving Honeycomb. But if you love the behind the scenes from a founder, CEO perspective, that's exactly what you get from that show. So it's episode 86 on Founders Top. Make sure you check that out.
0: I'm going to share another behind the scenes item regarding Honeycomb. That was meant to be another Christmas gift, which... Uh, I didn't have time for, and we got blocked on other things and I had to mm-hmm. reprioritize. I did have, I think, an hour long session with Liz. Liz De Grey. Thank you very much, Liz. That was so, so good because it helped me understand some of the superpowers which I was missing. I was still thinking in terms of dashboards and I was still thinking in terms of like having these queries pre-built. It's actually the opposite. You need to go and explore and dig into and ask questions. And seeing Liz doing that was so cool and now i know how to use honeycomb correctly i was holding it wrong (laughs) definitely holding it wrong and now i can dig around anything it's just so good for us we can understand things so much quicker than before Mm. like it takes me minutes things that before would take at least half an hour maybe even longer
1: I was thinking as you were digging into this, just like what the experience might be for our listeners. That's why I had to step in and comment in a little bit Mm because I'm thinking like, gosh, we might be losing the audience. They may be, you know, the the few, uh, the tribe and few might stick around in terms of like brain power and then come Mm -hmm. back whenever Jared speaks and maybe it gets more interesting again or something like that. Just kidding. (laughs) Good one. But I was just thinking like maybe, maybe this would be something where we throw a 20 minute session on YouTube of like you just digging into Honeycomb and just being curious. Maybe bring Jared on or Liz on or some sort of tag along to sort of like dive deep. Cause I think that would be super fruitful. I would for for sure watch it. Mm -hmm. And I I can imagine anybody listening to this and hearing us gush about our observability superpowers. Thanks to Honeycomb would be
0: like wanting to watch that as well. Again, Mary Shipmas was meant to be videos. We recorded those videos. I just never had time to edit them and never had time to publish them. So that's Uh, like another behind the scenes thing. So that's exactly what it was meant to be. And we did record like uh, the videos with Crossplane, with Dagger, with Frederick, with Parka, but they were never got published. And the idea was to do the same with Honeycomb. I didn't even have time to record that episode, or like mm-hmm. you know part of an episode. But yes, I would really like that for sure.
1: Well, expect things in the future, listeners and future viewers, because we'll we'll circle back with Gerhard on some ideas on this mm-hmm. one. Because I was unaware of that. I love these sort of live Kaizen podcasts because. I don't want you editing that, Gerhard. You got too much stuff to do. You know, sure. we'd rather find other things to do. And Jerry and I will find folks either currently on our team or people we can bring on our team. We're we're a growing small. I always say small indie media company because it definitely puts us in perspective. But we're not we're not brand new small. We're just sort of like you know, thirteen years later small. You know what I mean? So yeah. But we want to solve those problems. Like I I find it super viable to get those kind of conversations out there into the world. And if it's a you know. A thing from the Merry Shipmas episode, which is super cool, by the way. Like, I loved that we had Breakmaster Cylinder do some cool Christmas jingles in there. Like, there's a little surprises in there that we didn't even tell you about. I love making these things special for our Mm -hmm. listeners. And so I'd love to find ways to get those conversations onto YouTube, the full-length videos. So we'll figure that out, though. So listeners, stay tuned.
0: I have 45 gigabytes worth of screen flow files. which uh, okay. share the videos, like can share 4K videos and yeah. all that stuff. My internet can handle it. <laughs> I'm uh, okay now with again, that. yeah. <laughs> you know, like the one gigabit full on, not a problem. Yeah. So I can upload those. But um, I would love to follow up with, with Liz and Honeycomb just to show what this new thing means because now we have CDN metrics and we can slice and dice and we can understand a lot more about our origins. And this will become increasingly important as we are going towards Multi-platform. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I'm really big on this is because we can try more of what's out there. We were never prescriptive about Kubernetes or this platform or that platform, whatever the name may be. We want to try as many as possible out and share our learnings, share what works, share what is easy, share what is interesting. And the only way we can do that is by trying more platforms out, trying more tools out. It's not about promoting this tool over that tool, it's about genuinely sharing what we think about them and what worked for us. Contexts are very important. And our context, you already know it, we've been talking about it for years, mm-hmm. but um, maybe it'll work for you too. So what challenges remain for our multi-platform? The big one is a database, right? Because mm-hmm. currently it just runs on Postgres, just runs on Kubernetes as a single, I'm blanking out, not stateful set. Yes, as a single stateful set. That's exactly what it's called. <laughs> as a single stateful set. It's really simple. We even like did, uh, do you remember, Jared, the easiest migration? I showed you how to migrate, how to restore from backup.
2: Yeah, you just delete the current one.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the easiest way Which to feels fix- feels so
1: wrong, I'm sure, right? It's like delete, it does, restore.
0: Because it just restores itself. So you delete it and it just restores itself. Right. That's how simple it is. It, it pulls the latest backup and it just boots up with the latest backup. That's it. (laughs) Really, really simple. So moving that PostgreSQL elsewhere, we talked about in CockroachDB, or at least we mentioned it, but I think we're thinking Fly, a database PostgreSQL that runs on Fly. I was testing WireGuard out, and it works. I still have a tunnel working on my machine, so it's very easy to connect to it securely. So I was impressed with that. But also, how do we connect to that database from, well, obviously multiple locations. Kubernetes is one of them. So can Mm. we run LKE, can we have multiple origins? How do we update those at the same time? Those are some of the challenges which I have in mind. Anything else that you can think of, Jared? That's the big one, I would say. Everything else is stateless already, so
2: Mm. it's all on you, Gerhard. (laughs) (laughs) My job here is done. Nice.
0: Anything that you're leaning towards when it comes to PostgreSQL, would you, are you curious to find out about it running in a specific place?
2: Well, there are a lot of hosted offerings, and so, I would, of course, be curious to know how each of them works, what they cost, pros and cons. We know Heroku has one. We know that AWS has one. We, I mean, the list goes on. Those are just the two on the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't know how cu- how far my curiosity leads me. You know, does that yeah. mean I'm going to go try 12 hosted pro- postgreses out? I would prefer that you do that legwork, Gerard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm okay. curious
2: but not enough to really like if we went to one and it was working well I wouldn't be like now let's try the other six just because mm-hmm. that's not the way I roll but I know that's the way you roll and I'm definitely interested depending on how much work's involved in getting that done I think it's valuable not just for us but also for others which makes me more interested is like can we share this information and put it out as mm-hmm. a useful resource or something then I'm more interested yeah
0: I definitely like trying a few things like I don't go crazy and that like I do a comparison of the entire market you know it's that's not me it's like what is close to us what makes sense can we compare two or three like a short list and then we go with the one that is again you know makes most sense for us it doesn't mean it's the best it means it fits us based on everything Mm -hmm. we know and i'm a big fan of the work that fly have been doing especially around the firecracker i think that thing is amazing Around the infrastructure which they have, Equinix Metal, I think that's that's a really solid player. I like the bare metal aspect of it a lot. WireGuard, I think it's amazing, and their commitment to Phoenix. So mm-hmm. to me, it's just you know, it just makes sense. I mean, we just like we seem like we are attracting one another, and it's not forced in any way. It's just the, their blog posts, the stuff that they talk about, it just suits us. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's the context there too is why. So we're podcast platform first. And then I would say a news syndication platform, you know, kind of, I would say really in parallel, but we're most known for the pod. I, I guess we're kind of both known for both really the, mm-hmm. the newsfeed and the newsletter and the podcast, I guess it's sort of like, you know, very parallel in terms of hierarchy, but why, like, why do we need, like, do we have just like a massive user base? Do we have a massive hit count every day? Like, do we have just tons of traffic? No. We do on our podcasts and our MP3s. That's why we have Fastly and the CDN and all this different stuff we've talked about before. But why do we need? Because we don't, right? It's for the learnings. It's for the learnings and for the sharings Mm -hmm. of why will we try to multi-platform, have an LKE, have an application that can be deployed to different runtimes, as you said before, be deployed to a Linux Kubernetes engine, be deployed to a Fly setup or have a database on Fly. Like, why would we want to do that, Gerhard? Like, Why are we most attracted to that? Is it because we just, we love to cause pain? We love to explore. We love to share. Why do you think?
0: Because we like to improve. Okay. And we don't know what improvement looks like. Kaizen, exactly. Yeah. Like, is that simpler? Is that better? How can we talk about Kubernetes if we're not using it? How can we talk about it if we haven't tried some of the pain points? And okay, we have a monolith. We try to make the best of it. We don't rewrite it as microservices. Now, that would be crazy. But uh, we try running it on multiple platforms. And at the end of the day, it's a Phoenix app. Where is a great place for running Phoenix apps? Well, Fly comes to mind based on the blog post, based on Chris McCord working Mm. there, uh, the creator of Phoenix. It just makes sense. We could just push it to Heroku. We could definitely do that. And I would be up for trying it. I don't know what pain points we would find, but we couldn't even entertain that idea until pull request 400 was merged which is why this is significant the work that jared did i I was mentioning this from my perspective is the most significant improvement in six years to the app itself yeah because before we couldn't do this stuff like it was like either lke or heroku or fly it wasn't an and problem it was an or yeah well now it's an or
2: real-time follow-up I logged into our AWS console and I checked our current month's S3 costs and I am currently setting up shielding as we speak because we need to, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we need to get that sucker shielded. Oh, like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Let's hundreds? Let's, let's give a, tens, a, a percentage. Or thousands. <laughs> our current month billing is up nineteen hundred percent over previous months. Well,
1: that's a lot. Well, we, we normally have like a twenty dollar bill. So I mean it's so maybe it's like 150, 200 bucks.
2: Here's where Kaizen gets real. When did we set this up? So we've been on it for...
1: Last Tuesday,
2: a week. So one week. And we've got about $500 in costs So per week. So that's two grand a month.
1: Really glad you looked into <laughs> S3, J during this Whereas we were paying
2: $28 a month previously. So roll it back. Roll the whole feature back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is not an improvement, is it? <laughs> I'm
2: literally rolling out the shielding for Fastly right now. I'm hitting Activate. So... Hopefully that'll that'll probably knock it down to a quarter, maybe hopefully an eighth. I don't know what you would even call this, live fixing, live cost savings. Just trying to save us money while you guys are talking. Welcome to ship it, Kaizen.
0: (laughs) Does it work? No, it doesn't. (laughs) Just go back.
1: (laughs) I
2: think this is a terrible idea. (laughs)
1: 100 bucks later. All right, so this is where we tell you about changelog.com slash plus, plus, where if you are a diehard subscriber or a listener, yeah. <laughs> there is ways you can help us. Now, we don't really need that help, honestly. And this is just being mostly joking. We would much rather you just share our shows with your friends. I mean, to me, that's the best payment. Mm-hmm. But if you like our shows and you don't really care for the ads and you want the extra bits we put on the end of our plus plus episodes, which isn't every single episode, it's, it's sometimes – but we do strive for I know Jared does more than I do to strive for putting extra bonus stuff there. Yeah. And it's just because I have, I don't know, just less time, I guess. Plus higher bitrate audio. We we're just talking about that. So
2: if you're an audiophile hear Gerhard's luscious tones yeah. even more quality
1: just five subscribers at a yearly would help us pay that, that S3 bill help us <laughs> pay our S3 bill <laughs> flack <laughs> hi-fi or well, it oh, hasn't God. happened <laughs> so that was mostly a joke but a good reason to tie that in so back to Fly and Chris and some of the things they're putting out there so I'm going to read a tweet that Chris McCord put out I think it was yesterday it was 28th is that right? no two days ago he says in quotes I'm blowing my own mind deploying elixir apps across the world on fly and seeing them cluster together pub subs just arrive in sydney and amsterdam a couple of minutes later i can have another instance in hong kong and it all works somehow this deserves a little screencast now i don't even know what the heck he's talking about necessarily but but that kind of attraction that kind of real time mm-hmm. raw just being excited about their own platform and then the words it all works in quotes somehow like that to me is like, I know Chris is pretty sharp. We've had him on the podcast a couple of times. We've shared mm-hmm. the Elixir and the Phoenix story. We've obviously been drinking the Kool-Aid for many years where we're not going to change. Like we, we've got some Ruby Roots. We're not going to suddenly just be like, okay, done with Elixir, done with Phoenix and, and bail. Like we're, we're in it to win it. Mm-hmm. But this is what drives me. Like they are super curious about making Elixir and in particular Phoenix, very fast, very distributed across the world putting apps close to their users. That's what attracts us to their to their platform. And so I can just share one little note. Behind the scenes, we are in talks about what it could take to technically put our platform on fly. We do have, you know, the support and buy-in from the top down. It's still in the works. It's not a done deal yet. But, you know, going back to Founders Talk, I've had Kurt on Founders Talk. We talk about, you know, essentially his entire journey as a founder. I'm a big fan of his And so he's always been a straight shooter with me, always been easy to work with. And so I'm just excited about what that might turn into. So as it turns into this sort of look at multi-anything, I'm excited to put Fly into the mix because they're great people. They obviously care about Elixir. We care about Elixir. and, uh, And I'm just so excited about where that might come from, too, as well as their desires for Postgres and globally distributed and all that good stuff. So
0: pumped. One thing which I want to emphasize is that this doesn't mean we're moving off Kubernetes. Yeah. It just means we're expanding. It means we will be learning from multiple places. And if you remember episode 35 about my lost packets, I'm a firm believer in having two of everything. So <laughs> like, why have a single CDL well, where you can have two? <laughs> or why have like a single Kubernetes when well, you can have two? And we should definitely do that. Well, let
2: me give you the pragmatic answer to that, Gerhard, which maybe our listeners are thinking, I've thought it in the past, which is because you pay twice as much. That's why <laughs> if you have two, you're paying twice as much. That's that's mm-hmm. one good reason not to have as many. You know, why not have you're two right. Teslas? Well, because then I have to buy two Teslas.
0: Right. So you're right. That is a pragmatic approach. But. Can you survive one those?
2: <laughs> without two Teslas? No, I gotta exactly. have them both.
0: <laughs> if one of my like, Teslas breaks down. Yeah, I mean, that's okay. I mean, for us, like, would we want to be down? I mean, what what does it take? It just helps you appreciate more, right? It's tech, it's, it's stuff which is a lot softer, right? Like those servers are like in the cloud. Sure, they cost money. How can we make it so efficient that they don't cost that much money, right? Like, well, like if you think about the traffic that we're serving, it is significant. It is like not world, world shattering, right? We mm-hmm. don't even like register on the Fast Lease. If we were to move off it, I don't think they would uh, notice a drop in their global no. traffic. But it's the same amount of traffic, and when fast it goes down, it happens rarely, once every five years in our experience, we are not completely down, you know, even though BBC is. That's okay. <laughs> you know, our like setup is. <laughs> <laughs> even though the BBC is. <laughs> well, that's what happened, right? Yeah. Yeah. So New York Times was down and a couple others, you know, I mean, they run their, their infrastructures they think is best. Uh, same for us. And if we can be efficient and if we can optimize, then I think we should.
1: You know, honestly, we don't know what teams out there need though. So, like, our exploration isn't say, hey, follow us. It's hey, yeah. pay attention to what we're exploring and the things we're determining and learning from right. these explorations. It's not follow us. But also, we don't know yeah. what teams out there are facing. They may have like ultra resilience problems. They need to be, they need to have two CDNs because they cannot stand. Like, I think there was some sort of tweet out there recently, like, One minute of downtime for Amazon is like just an enormous amount of money, Mm. and why they spend so much effort into, you know, basically not making that happen. Now, obviously, Amazon's an extreme case because they're the largest distributive products worldwide, probably, Mm. but not everybody has that problem. We don't know what teams out there have. So, follow us in terms of learnings and exploration, not so much take our advice on having two CDNs. It may not be necessary for you. Yeah, don't
2: do everything that we do, but like maybe you need zero, maybe you need four and we need only one or two. I appreciated hearing from the Grafana on-call team. I just listened to your episode 36, Mm -hmm. Gerhard, where they talked about when DigitalOcean's Kubernetes engine went offline and because they were set up for, I guess it's multi-cloud, I guess that's what you call it, right? Like they were set up because their Kubernetes was set up correctly. They cut over to, I don't know if it was, Google's deal or some other platform within minutes and they were like rocking and rolling. So for them, that was important. Now, for other people, maybe it's like, yeah, even from the start, you asked me what was important. I said, well, we can handle like a half an hour of downtime. Our business isn't going to implode, but like two days of downtime, like we got problems. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it just depends on everybody's circumstance. So, yes, a lot of the things that we do are exploratory, are to learn and to share. And they're not necessarily the wisest, most prudent, pragmatic choices. Mm. Like, let's pay twice for everything, right? Like, maybe that's not worth the trade-off in your guys' circumstances. But I think it's worth talking about that. That that leads us into some listener feedback we've had. I'm not sure if we should just hop into that now or do you want to take a break? and Let's go for it. Because this is an incredibly on topic. So I'm going to leave this feedback anonymous because we didn't get his permission, but he did come into our Ship It channel of the Changelog Slack. By the way, changelog.com slash community. Join the Ship It channel of our Slack. Hang out, ask questions. We would love to have you there. And this listener says, don't know if this is the right place for feedback, but as a longtime Changelog listener, I was excited to see a DevOps-focused podcast. I found some really interesting services via Ship It, but to be frank, the episode play like long advertisements. Guests are often folks from a company that sells a DevOps-focused product talking about how great their product is and a lot are great he says incident and honeycomb stand out but what i really want is to hear from the people in the trenches using the solutions it's a lot more meaningful for me to hear about these services from someone who got value out of them rather than the people making them i thought this was really solid feedback we're always trying to kaizen the show not just our platform but like, how can we continuously improve? And this is something that I've thought about as well. And that we've talked about. Gerhard, do you want to share some of your thoughts around that? First of all, I'd say that Grafana on-call episode is a great example of that style show. Like, they're using these things. There was a Grafana story in there as well. But it was an example of somebody who's like, how, how do you deploy your system? Which I enjoyed. But yeah, speak to this particular piece of feedback
0: because it's something we're aware of. And we, we want to make it as awesome as possible. Yeah. It's very difficult for me to not get excited generally excited about some of these products because yeah. we use them and we like we don't use them to advertise them we use them because they are generally interesting and again we use them I like, wouldn't be using them if if they if they weren't good and for every incident and for every honeycomb there are many others that we don't even mention that we tried out but we you know they didn't work for us for whatever reason and there's so many niggles and so many maybe, I will not say negative talking points, but they're just complicated. So, you know, we we focus on the positive a lot more than like the negative, what doesn't work. Even though I know that some of you would love that. But what I would like to say is that... uh, I took the feedback on board. And uh, when I had the pre-interview with the on-call team, uh, Matvey and Ildar, I told them, look, no selling of any kind. Now I'll try to be as as little excited as possible about this thing (laughs) so that, you know, based on listener feedback, that was one thing. The other thing, and this goes hand in hand with how we schedule the the episodes. So by the time we receive this feedback, maybe we had like another three, four, maybe even five episodes already recorded and scheduled to go out. So it took us a while to change things and took me a while to change things. So in response to that feedback, I was looking for teams that want to share how they use things. One example is uh, this week's episode. I'll talk about the one from Open Sesame with um, Gunnar and uh, Tom, where they talk about how they use AWS and their users. They're not selling any tech related product. Now, now that I think of it, I think they are, but we never <laughs> mentioned it to the show. So oh, like we see. never mentioned it to the show. The, the idea is that we, we, we took this feedback on board and we're trying to cover more end user stories. The one with Robin, yeah. haunted code bases and complex ops. That's a good one. Maybe, Maybe the episode will not be called that. That's episode 39. But that's like another one, which is... I like the working title. It's a good one. Yeah, I mean, that's what he calls them, haunted codebases. So I think I think it's going to stick with that. <laughs> but there's a few others like that coming up, which are more focused on the end user stories. The problem with those is that some companies are not as forthcoming. They have different limitations. They can't say certain things. You know, they don't know what they're allowed to say. It's a lot more difficult to schedule those interviews from like the big names that you'd recognize. While Honeycomb, it's it's easier, right, to to do an episode on that, But I took the feedback on board. Anything else to say?
1: I want to say a couple of things. I think it's too easy in our shoes to only look at the positive feedback to us. And I actually greatly welcome this negative feedback or in the negative light feedback because it helps us reframe what we're doing and have a, a greater perspective on what we're trying to do because... Without the positive and the negative, you just seem to sort of like gravitate toward these different directions. Now, Hmm. something you had said before, Jared, about Gerhard and this sort of perspective towards like talking to the founders or the people who create these products was that Gerhard kind of goes shopping for us. So in some ways, like you had just said, Gerhard, like we're using the ones that are good. We're not sharing the negative stories. Maybe some people would like that, but we're just not trying to, you know, talk negatively about certain products or certain teams because- Everything out there takes effort just because we gravitate towards incident or different brands or whatever it might be. It is not so much like it's not so much our endorsement, but it kind of is because we like them. So that's sort of an endorsement. Mm. I look at it just like you had said, Jerry, like this is Gerhard going shopping for our audience and saying this is things we've tried and things we've liked. And and one other point I want to make, too, is that as an organization here at Changel, we have a strict no pay to play. That means that people cannot pay to come on a podcast. The only advertisement you'll ever hear is explicitly in a sponsored spot. Now, we also work super hard to make those sponsored spots amazing, informative, well done. We spend so much time with those teams to understand their problem set and how to best communicate it to our audience. And those are also by choice. They're opt-in, like just because we sell ads or sponsorships to the world at large, doesn't mean we don't say no. We actually say no a lot. Just the same way that Gerhard says no to like a tool or a platform he tries and then eventually airs. We also say no a lot behind the scenes. So I would say as a listener, when it comes to sponsored content, it is explicitly sponsored content. It's never full length content. And then even more particular to that is that we choose the brands we want to work with because we also believe in them. So if you hear an ad or a sponsor spot, take it one step further because we've actually chosen to work with them instead of, or in spite of other opportunities that we've just said no to. So we hyper-focus on this and this kind of feedback gives us a chance to to share that hyper-focus. If it's not explicitly shared with you how hyper-focused we are on this, this line, let it be known here because that's our goal. All of us sitting here care deeply about you as a listener. All of us here care deeply about Gerhard and his heart for the show. All of us here care deeply about your listenership of the show and your trust for this show to not have that ever tainted. So Mm -hmm. trust us when we say that we're here to share our best efforts and to always keep that line super, super clear. When you hear an ad, it's an ad. When you hear a show, it's a show for the
0: love. And we will make mistakes, right? Right. We're not perfect, and that's why we look for the improvements. How can we make it better? Mm -hmm. Now, if you know teams that would like to come on the show and talk about their stack, request an episode or drop me a line. It's that easy. Or come in our channel. I mean, I have so many people that reach out to me and I say, sure, do you want to talk about it? Very few follow through, and that's okay because we're all busy. It's been a crazy couple of years, you know, like... I understand it. Everyone gets it. Not a problem. But that is one way that we can genuinely make this better. People that want to come on the show, talk about their stack, talk about their experiences. It's not just me, right? It's about you, the listeners. It's about the guests that come on the show. So help us get great guests, and I'll be more than happy to talk to them.
2: We would absolutely love that. There is a request form on the website. So you can just go to changeable.com slash request, select ship it in the dropdown, And we read those They go right to Gerhard. We see them all Mm -hmm. and we consider all requests. I will say that the style show where it's like, tell us about your operational setup can be sometimes dry and brief because not everybody has an interesting setup. In fact, if you invited me on your show to talk about that, I would say, well, it's a Postgres database. We've got a Phoenix app in front and we use Fastly as our CDN. And then you'd be like, Mm -hmm. I hope I have some more questions because <laughs> <laughs> what's so, in- you know, so not every setup is interesting and that's fine. I like boring technology, but doesn't always make for the most compelling conversation. So as you're thinking through like people who would make good guests for that style of like, show that we're talking about here, think that people have a, maybe there's something interesting about their setup. Maybe they have a specific challenge in this industry that we don't have elsewhere. And so those make for more compelling conversations and stories. So keep that in mind. It's something that we consider because we would love to do different format shows, especially Mm -hmm. ones that are requested, but also we want all the conversations to have, you know, a compelling narrative because otherwise we get bored and we move on. So
0: and I think this also explains why it's so important for us to experiment with different things, mm-hmm. do crazy things, do unconventional things that most companies wouldn't do or most teams wouldn't do. Like, of course, most companies don't need multi CDN, they need zero CDN. But if we didn't do that, how would our shows be? Like, would they be interesting? I mean, we have to try those things for real and run them in production to give a good informed opinion of the failures, of you know all the things that didn't work out in a way that, you know, it's also positive rather than just picking on this provider or that provider. I don't think we would have many friends (laughs) if we (laughs) just basically, you know, went around and just, you know, crapped on everybody. That's that's not our style, (laughs) you know, like that's crap and that's crap. No, no, that's Mm -hmm. definitely not us. I keep saying this, it is about the people, right? And we're trying to build these relationships. We're trying to tell these stories. So if you know someone interesting, do let us know.
1: what's up friends this episode is brought to you by rewatch rewatch gives product and engineering teams async superpowers and it helps them move faster with greater clarity and i love clarity imagine this all of your team's videos all in one place record organize and share the videos that your team needs to ship great work keep everyone in the loop by sharing team meetings from sprint planning to daily stand-ups to project retros empower new hires to get up to speed faster with onboarding and training videos that are easy to watch and of course rewatch you can streamline knowledge sharing by creating a library of product demos tech talks architecture reviews and so much more and we're using rewatch here changelog and the killer feature for us is every video is automatically transcribed and searchable And the transcripts are surprisingly very accurate, which makes it so easy for us to search key phrases, terms, and find and play the exact spot in a video. Plus, there's commenting and threaded conversation options on every single video. Now, we have a home for all our videos to enable our growing and distributed team to participate in any conversation asynchronously and on their own time. Check them out. Get started for free with a 14-day trial at rewatch.com. Again, rewatch.com and by our friends at Sentry. Build better software faster, diagnose, fix, and optimize the performance of your code. Over 1 million developers and 68,000 organizations already use Sentry. That number includes us. Here's the absolute easiest way to try Sentry right now. You don't have to do anything. Just go to try.sentry-demo.com. That is an open sandbox with data that refreshes every time you refresh or every 10 minutes, something like that. But long story short, that's the easiest way to try Sentry right now. No installation, no whatsoever. That dashboard is the exact dashboard we see every time we log into Sentry. And of course, our listeners get a deal. They get the team plan for free for three months. All you got to do is go to Sentry.io and use the code changelog when you sign up. Again, Sentry.io and use the code changelog.
0: Are we in a good place to talk about new beginnings? The last new beginning?
2: I think we are. Let's bring it home, Gerhard. You have a new beginning of your own that is also related to ship it. So let's hear about it.
0: Yeah. So I really like getting code into production. The production is real. Once something is out there, you get to figure out whether it works or it doesn't work. And how do you do that? Well, most people have a pipeline, have a Jenkins or have a uh, GitHub Actions or have a Circle CI, whatever they have, and you just configure it and it just works. And that's the end of it, I suppose. Then you have the flaky stuff like tests which don't work and just keep you know, clicking the button, pushing it through. How do you do rollbacks? You may have to call your DevOps expert to do those. That is a joke, by the way, even though I'm not laughing too hard, but there is a joke about <laughs> <by> rollbacks <laughs> in general. Yes. So the point being is that I really care about shipping it. So my commitment for shipping it is four weeks ago, five weeks ago, I joined a new team called dagger for the people not for the tech it's who the people are and how i interact with them and how they work as a unit so you may have heard this name and you will have heard about episode 23 where i talked about dagger mm-hmm. that was the beginning of something really interesting and we grew it into you know something amazing and I was really excited to be joining this group of people that really genuinely want to make CI-CD better. And don't think like a better GitHub Actions or a better Circle CI or Drone or BuildKit, uh, build, sorry, BuildKite, the list goes on, or better Jenkins. How can we make our CI-CD systems have the same evolution as containers brought for applications? And that was Docker. When Docker came along, everything changed. So think Docker for CI CD, which by the way, works for every single CI system that you have today. It's circle CI, you don't have to move. If it's GitHub Actions, that's great. Whatever you have today, it will work, but it will be better. And this is not like, you know, a dream or like um, an idea that maybe it will work. It was part of Shipmas. We tried it, our pipeline is twice as quick we migrated, and I say migrated, we're still running on Circle CI, So we're running two pipelines in parallel. Because, <laughs> because why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly, right? <laughs> you want to see which one's better. And we've been doing this for about a month, almost two months now. And we can consistently see that Dagger running in GitHub Actions is twice as fast as CircleCI, our previous config. We don't have to write YAML. It runs locally. It has so many advantages. And it's all out there. We've been doing this for months. You can check it out. Pull request 395. You can listen to episode 33. And um, I'm looking forward to sharing more of this with you because it's a great idea that works well in practice as well as I think it can help you with your CI CD. So I'm committed to shipping it, including shipping your stuff into production, not just ours.
1: As someone who talked to... Solomon Hikes, speaking of Docker, way back when, before Docker was really the Docker it is today, like this is back when I think Document Cloud was still there. I think that was their, their original company. Yeah, the dot .cloud. Dot .cloud, sorry.
2: App.net. Remember App.net? Yeah.
1: This is just forever ago. Jared, I think that, that show was even done with me and Andrew. Was that me and you on that show with, with Solomon Hikes? I think it was me and Andrew Thorpe. I have no idea. That's how long ago it was, which is like basically forever ago. So to see Solomon in Pull 395, committing code to our open source repository was just, and there was like an internal giddiness to me when I was seeing these pull requests come in and over Christmas break too. So I was trying desperately to keep, I committed to not thinking about work for two weeks as best <laughs> I could. And so the, here's these pull requests coming in over the holiday break and whatnot. And I'm just like, that's so cool. So seeing that work out for you too. And, you know, knowing your heart for, you know, this passion of shipping applications in efficient ways and teams growing and, all this good stuff like that makes me super happy for you to be involved with dagger, knowing that Solomon hikes is a part of it founder, right? Like the founder of yeah. uh, one of the co-founders seeing him come back around. Cause I know there was a lot of drama and controversy over the years around mm. Docker and all the things, but like Docker changed everything. Like I run Docker at home. I, my mm-hmm. Plex server is, is run via Docker. My pie hole is via Docker on raspberry Pis, uh, which is super awesome. Like, it's just super cool. It's such a cool technology. But then to see Solomon come back with another big idea to say, okay, here's what we did with containers in app deployment. Here's mm-hmm. what we can do with uh, a container-like kind of idea. As you said, like a a comparison, not so much the exact thing in CI is, is cool because, you know, doesn't you can pick your deployment pipeline you want. You, you don't have to, yeah. like, choose a brand new platform. It's not a platform killer. It's it's a platform Better maker. I don't know how you would describe that. It makes the platforms better. Yeah.
0: They're already on. So I do have to say, I never dreamt of working with Solomon. And working with him, it's just something else. Like pairing yeah. with him, working with him, seriously, is like a whole new kind of experience. Is that right? That's oh, so yes. cool, man. Oh, he's just so intense in the best possible way. I thought I was fast. He's maybe a hundred times faster than me. I mean, his mind is just crazy. Just oh, experiencing that is just so amazing. Just so energizing. But I also want to say the rest of the team are equally impressive in different ways. So I genuinely joined them, not just because of the problem space, which is very close to my heart, but generally it is because of the people. All the conversations which we had, how we interacted, just things clicked. Mm-hmm. And ChangeLog is one of the example applications in production that are part of the Dagger universe. So there's always a bigger story. So how do we deploy Phoenix, Elixir applications, with this new tool called Dagger. What does that look like? Can we agree on, as a community, Phoenix, Erlang, Elixir, how to deploy applications, how to package them? So you start having these building blocks that you can start composing, and if you have a Node application and you want to push it to Vercel, or if you want to go to Netlify, or anywhere else, you have a WordPress app, what does that look like? So if we have these building blocks, these packages as we call them, and by the way, there's no more YAML. I'm so happy about (laughs) this. (laughs) I'm so... It cannot be underestimated how important it is to not be writing Yavel, but Mm -hmm. have a language that is automatically formatting. It's typed. It will tell you when you make an error. Q is just amazing. And we had the show, right, on GoTime. And I think there was like Mm -hmm. another one about Q. It's an amazing technology. BuildKit itself, you think Docker, but I hear BuildKit and that is amazing. I know that some people don't like Docker because of the pricing changes, the licensing, whatever things happened, but BuildKit is amazing and the technology behind it's changed the world. So you take the people, you take the tech, you take the potential and where it's going, and it's all based on a story that we started six years ago, even actually longer, because I had like this thing called Deliver, you remember Jared? Mm-hmm. Deliver, eDeliver, Way that's back, how yeah. we started. So it's yeah. literally 10 years in the making and it's like the loop is closing. So you can't make this stuff up. You know, it's literally Mm -hmm. the signs were there all along and connecting the the dots backwards, everything makes sense. That's what makes me excited about this. That's cool, man. I'm really curious to put this out in the world, you know, for others to see and tell us why it doesn't work. Why maybe we should use Nix. And we just had that conversation with Vincent recently, right? It all, all comes together. So, yeah. Like, can you tell that I'm really passionate about this stuff? I'm not sure. Did I convey it enough? <laughs> well, those exact
1: words even were spoken by Steve Jobs in your unexpected episode 22. <laughs> it's crazy and impossible where, you know, Steve said, you can't connect the dots forward. You have to connect them backwards. I Paraphrasing what he had said, but that rings back to even that like, and that's so cool to see deliver and then the connection to us and how that happened. And then all this come to full fruition. And I think that's what really it is for us. Like we, I'm always happy on a podcast, when I can say we came for the tech, but we stay for the humans because that's Mm -hmm. such our DNA. Like we can talk about these different things and be excited and whatever, but truly it is about the humans. And that makes me so happy for you to, to like just see your career path and your, your passion path really come full circle and working with Solomon is probably pretty cool. I mean, I've been a fan for many years and the rest of the team, of course, but like, how cool
0: is that really? So cool. I'm happy for you. Thank you. We are all part of this together. I'm seeing the journey together, separate. There's obviously different journeys, but I'm seeing this like in the making. I'm just basically seeing all the signs and I get so excited about that because I realize it may look like a coincidence. Actually, it's a series of coincidences, but it's very clear to me which way we are are headed. And even if nothing comes out of it, the fact that we were together, the fact that we tried, improved... And maybe things worked out in a different way. That's okay. We still had that experience. And that is worth remembering and worth cherishing.
1: Well, audience, tune back in uh, to 10 episodes later. This is episode 40 of Ship It. So every 10 episodes, we come back, we huddle up together, myself, Jared, and Gerhard. And we talk about Kaizen, this, this concept of continuously improving. And we take feedback, obviously negative sometimes or in a negative light. And we take that. And so to the person who shared that, we said it anonymously, but thank you for sharing that. We want our audience to push back on us and challenge us to to be committed to the truth we say we, we are. Because that's how we keep our North Star. And uh, so thank you for that. But this is episode 40. Kaizen, we come back every 10 episodes. So we'll see you back here now that you're a listener or a long-time listener. If you're new to subscribe, go to change.com slash ship it. Subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We'll come back every week at least gear harwell we'll come back every 10 episodes what do you think jared that's that sounds good to you sounds <laughs> great episode 50 episode 50
0: as a last thing that sounds great to me but i have one last thing the person that registered ship.it yes, <laughs> please reach out to us because you would like the domain
1: <laughs> or ship it.fm yes either of those we have waited to do a vanity url so normally we'll do like founders talk.fm or changelaw.fm or practicalai.fm or JSParty. I'm just naming all our shows, by the way. JSParty.fm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we Both don't have it. it for Ship It yet because we went, we really wanted Ship It.fm. Yep. And then I guess Ship It would be just as cool. We don't want to settle for Ship It Show.fm or some flavor like that. It wouldn't be bad. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well. We love the, the name of the show,.fm, as best as possible. So if you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, friend of a friend, Ship.it would be okay. My prefs would be shipit.fm.
0: And then you can get like show previews and a lot of cool things. All the cool things get unlocked. Yeah, all the things. Let's improve this one together. Yeah, let's Kaizen this one together. I would really like that. That's right. All right. Well, as always, it's been a pleasure. I'm really looking forward to the next one. See what other crazy things we do and what (laughs) sticks. And uh, let's follow up on the S3. And uh, let's see how we can keep the build down and keep it sane. We're going to share some links, share some screenshots in the show notes. But otherwise, see you in 10 episodes for our next Kaisen. Kaisen. Later. Later. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Shipping. This is just one of our podcasts for developers. Go to changelog.com forward slash master for the rest. You can join us for free via changelog.com forward slash community. The only cost is happiness credits if you choose to not interact with us. There are no imposters in our Slack. Everyone is welcome. Huge thanks to our partners Fastly, LaunchDarkly and Minot. Thank you Breakmaster Cylinder for all our awesome beats. That's it for this week. See you next week. My last thought is dedicating this episode to Lucy, a person that made many lives better. While I don't know Lucy, someone that I respect does and he remembers her life fondly. Thank you, Lucy. Rest in peace.